The following program is sponsored by Frank Shelton. Welcome to Frank Shelton's podcast on life, leadership, and our Lord. Frank is an author, evangelist, and one of the most sought-after speakers in America. Frank is married to his sweetheart, Ruth, and they have two children and live near Washington, D.C. After working two decades on Capitol Hill, he left by faith to preach the gospel. He served five years on staff with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he was a chaplain at three Summer Olympics. Today, Frank has preached on five continents and addressed audiences at stadiums over 120,000 in attendance. His TV ministry, By Faith with Frank Shelton, airs weekly to over 150 million homes worldwide. And today, he's thrilled to speak to you. Enjoy today's message by our host, Frank Shelton. Frank Shelton worked two decades on Capitol Hill and left by faith to preach the gospel in 2007. His family worked over 150 years in Washington protecting presidents and serving the congressional community. His ancestor carried President Abraham Lincoln from Ford's Theater and his maternal ancestor hand-planted the cherry blossoms. Very few have as deep roots in D.C. Urgency is one's minister's journey leading up to the lockdown in March 2020. Buckle up. This book is a game changer for some and life changer for others. Available now at Amazon stores worldwide. For an autographed copy, visit frankshelton.com. Hey, my friends, welcome to another edition of By Faith. I'm your host, Frank Shelton, and it's an honor to be with all of you today, coast to coast and around the world. And today, I have a person on the line that I have the utmost respect for. Uh, She is a winner in the game of life, and uh, her husband was one of my childhood heroes, former world boxing champion Tommy Morrison. You may remember him not only for being one of the kings of the ring, but he also fought Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa himself, and Rocky V. And uh, I remember when I watched that movie, when it came out that Friday, when it was first released, there was some amazing life lessons. And Tommy, I don't think he ever had been an actor a day in his life, but man, he dominated the lines and what screen presence, but man, he still speaks to us today. He ended up dying and what a story uh, his wife has to tell, Trisha Morrison she is amazing she loves the lord and she has been a strong fighter herself for not only honoring her husband's legacy but she herself is fighting the good fight so live on the line today is trisha morrison trisha great to have you on by faith today oh thank you frank it's an honor to be on here thank you well, you're amazing, and I love your accent. That was the first thing I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that Tommy liked as well. And you know what? Um, I really believe that he was starting to pick up the British accent too. Wow. Um, he used to laugh at it as well. Well, yeah, yeah I, I love that. And um, the Sheltons actually, were, everyone knows that we're from Washington, D.C., but the Sheltons originated from England. So we have family from Nottingham, where Robin Hood was from, to also uh, in England, uh, linked to the Queen. So, yeah, your voice is definitely intriguing. But, no, Tommy was amazing, and um, and he still is. And he's now pushing for you and pulling for you and praying for you. And 
he's with the king. He's with the true goat, God himself. But how did you and Tommy meet? Well, um, it's pretty much a long story, Frank. Um, we we met and we didn't meet okay. um, back in, in 1996. And it was in Las Vegas. And that was actually the day that he got kicked out of boxing. Wow. Um, and but we never met you know it, it was the name that I heard and I had seen on uh, MGM the side of the hotel and this the city was just buzzing because he was supposed to be fighting that night um, but we never met that night um, and I, I had always kept the name of Tommy Morrison in my head like I never want to meet that guy because what happened that night in Vegas um, did not stay in Vegas, Frank. That's good. Um, he um, he got kicked out of boxing because he was supposedly um, diagnosed with HIV, and that kicked him out immediately on February tenth, nineteen ninety six, in Nevada by the Nevada Commission, and so he was no longer able to fight, no longer able to carry on his life, no longer able to fulfill his multi million dollar contract to fight uh, Mike Tyson. So all those things were happening in his life from 1996 through until he and I met in 2009 in, uh, in the Midwest, in Wichita, Kansas. And that's when uh, we met and I swore that I probably would never give him the best room in the hotel because he was actually staying at my hotel. Um, because he had actually ruined tourism for me um, <laughs> going back in, in 1996 in Vegas. I had not been able to get any rooms in Vegas because of Tommy's fight. And, of course, when they canceled that fight, then all these rooms opened up and it was too late. I was unable to bring the British over uh, from the UK to stay in Vegas. So I always held that against him, but that is how we met again. Wow. Um, actually, in uh, 2009 in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what a great story. And, you know, it's neat that at the lowest time of his life that God would strategically already be putting you in place. Did you ever think about that? You know what? I did. Um, I've had several encounters. I don't know if you know of a lady called Gracia Burnham. She was held hostage by the Philippines, um, by the Abu Sayyaf in 2001. And, um, you know, I was put in her life too. Um, her husband got shot and killed uh, by the terrorists out there. She came back. She was a missionary with a new tribes mission. And I helped her get her back on her feet and um, helped her write a book called In the Presence of My Enemies. Mm. Um, so if you ever get a chance to look up her story, it's graciaburnham.org is her um, website. Yes. So um, that that was real interesting. So, you know, suddenly here I am in, in somebody's life who um, was completely in a different world to mine, uh, was a boxer, and um, I had actually never seen Rocky V, and... Um, actually never even heard of Sylvester Stallone, Frank, okay? <laughs> um, so, you know, this was not an attraction where it was some groupie person yes. wanting to meet some movie star. This was nothing at all like that. 
I'd never seen Rocky V, didn't even know who Tommy Gunn was, never even seen any of the Rocky movies, in fact, never saw Rocky V until 2018, Uh, you know, so... um, it, it was it was quite a meeting. He he was very low in his life, and um, the first vision of him that I can always still remember is he had his head in his hands. That was that mm. was always something that just um, made me think somebody who had it all um, and then lost it all, mm. right? And here he is at the lowest part of his life, and all his friends have gone, right? Um, all his money has gone, all his possessions have gone, um, but the memories were still there, Frank. Mm. Wow, that, that's amazing. And now, you know, his head is um, actually in God's hands ever since he's been back in, in heaven. So, uh, you know, and that's what I love, uh, Trisha. What a beautiful love story. Well, number one, even the original Rocky we all think the movie was about a fighter, but Stallone would beg to differ and say, no, it was actually a love story between a man and a woman. It was chasing his dreams and just trying to go the distance in life. Um, so where Rocky had Adrian, Tommy had you, and uh, that's amazing. Number two, you weren't a groupie. Um, you know, you weren't chasing him because of his fame. Uh, you fell in love with the man, and I think God had really put you in a place to really minister to him and and that's just what's so encouraging and you know i of course i'm a big stallone fan uh you and i both know that but um i just you know it's amazing when i hear tommy's story um can you walk us through so here he is he does the weigh-in um don king is over his shoulder he's getting ready to get in with iron mike tyson win lose or draw it will be the biggest payday would have set him up for your family and families to come and then all of a sudden the nevada boxing commission says that he has hiv aids he became like the poster boy they shamed him they embarrassed him they discredited him and uh what a way to go out and uh walk us through um so then uh he's actually i think uh he was on he was much wiser than people gave him credit you would agree with that Yes, uh, there was another side of Tommy that people never really saw because the only thing that they saw was what the media portrayed him as, right? Um, and when we met in 2009, um, I worked as the director of sales and marketing for this big hotel in Wichita, a big historic hotel. And, you know, you always Google the, pe- the people that are coming to your hotel, especially if they're some kind of a celebrity and you have to put them in, you know, on the eighth floor. So you Google them. All I could find, Frank, was just bad stuff, negative stuff about Tommy. And that's what has stayed in the minds of so many people all over the world. Um, they never knew the, really, the, the real Tommy. He was um, very spiritual. He would read his Bible three times a day. In fact, he actually got arrested because he was sitting outside a gym in Wichita reading his Bible, and they they called on him uh, as loitering outside the gym. So the police came and arrested him. Um, And he looked at me and he said, I was only sitting in my car reading my Bible. Wow. 
So, yeah. so you know, because people turn stories around yes. all the time to always make him look the bad person. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, um, and he said more than once he felt like God was giving him an assignment where his greatest opponent may not be in the ring, correct? Yeah, he said, and this was before I met him, um, he, and I'd read it on some kind of a, a media article. He said, and this was back in 2007 and eight. he said, I have a higher purpose. I know it's not boxing, but I don't know what it is yet. Wow. And, and it always stuck in his head all the way through, really, until his last breath. And my continuation of, of his fight for innocence, I found what higher purpose was. And, and it's all coming to the light, just as he would say, everything hidden in darkness will come to the light. He would say that, Frank, every single day. Amen. And no fear. No fear. He, um, when he read his Bible, um, I remember the day when he said, Tricia, uh, he said, in the Bible, it says 365 times, do not be afraid. And, and I looked at him because he just suddenly blurted it out of nowhere. Um, and so I will post almost daily, if not at least three or four times a week on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Do in you know it's written in the Bible 365 times. Do not be afraid, and that's something he would say every day. He said, "Today we're not going to be afraid." Amen. Well, yeah, no, he definitely fought the good fight of faith. So he fights Stallone in Rocky Five in 1990. He's getting ready to climb in the ring with Mike Tyson. He went toe to toe with Lennox Lewis and Ray Mercer, and I think George Foreman. And the irony is uh, life throws a curveball. And um, he is then arrested on frivolous charges. And did, I believe he got a, like a tick bite or something while he was incarcerated. Is that when things really went downhill fast? What was it that they made yeah. him do that surgery, if you will? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, first of all, coming back to Mike Tyson, the fight against Mike Tyson was within the contract that he had signed with Don King. Right. So the night of February 10th, 1996 in Vegas was not the fight against Mike Tyson. It was one of the first fights of the multi-million dollar contract that Don King had signed with him right. with the promise of fighting Mike Tyson. So, okay. um, so that was like maybe so a three-fight deal, probably something like that leading up to it? Exactly. Yeah. It was exactly like that, yeah. Um, and, of course, that never happened. And, of course, if you know, if you speak to a lot of the fans, you know, Mike Tyson was just coming out of jail himself. Right. And Tommy knew that he would beat him. He told me. Wow. He said, I, I could have beaten him. Wow. I know how to beat him. And I said, really? And, again, not being a, a, into boxing at all, Frank, I said, well, okay, well, how would you do it? And he sat there, and he told me exactly how he would beat Mike Tyson. Wow. And I've never disclosed the details to anybody. <laughs> Maybe one day I will. <laughs> Man, um, well, that's that but, was that was probably like going up to Elvis's master bedroom. Not everyone gets to go to that, but it happens. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, so that's right. He he's in now prison, and then if I'm not mistaken, they open him up, and then. He is complaining 
of like intense abdominal pain, I think in the intestines area. And then they only find out that he had like a 12 foot roll of gauze tape that was left inside him. Is that correct? Well, what happened in 2011, I mean, everything was going great, Frank. He was in the gym. He was trying to get his license back, eating properly, you know, very spiritual, um, doing everything that he was supposed to be doing. And then suddenly he gets thrown into jail. And it happened to be the one night that I had flown out of Tennessee um, so it must have been must have been pre-planned. I had flown out of Tennessee and flew back into Tennessee, waited for him at the airport, waited for him at the airport for about four or five hours. Mm. He was supposed to have picked me up. He never showed up. In the end, I rented a car, drove home in we used to live near Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And two, three o'clock in the morning, I called the police. Um, he still wasn't around. And in the end, the police called me um, at about three o'clock in the morning, said, oh, yeah, he's in jail. He's in Sevierville, mm. uh, Tennessee. And I go, well, why? And they go, well, we can't tell you. He's under a sealed felony fugitive warrant oh. arrest. Wow. Okay. And, and to cut a very long story short, after a month of him being in jail and being extradited from Tennessee to Wichita, thrown in a cell with five gang members mm. that he had to fight off, and then the next day go in front of the court after having slept on the floor mm. uh, with no blankets, no pillows or anything. He's standing there in court in front of a judge. Um, wanting to know why he'd been thrown into jail. And nobody could give him the answer. Nobody could give me the answer. And in the end, the judge set a bail of $50,000 for something we still didn't know what he had done. Mm. Um, so his best friend came up with the 5000 bail that I had to pay. It wasn't any Sylvester Stallone, unfortunately, no celebrity. It was his best friend from high school mm. to pay that. And I got him out of jail. And he came out of jail, Frank, with a tick bite to the side of his chest. And I took him immediately to the doctors. The doctor had it drained and then suggested that he might need surgery on it. Um, but to go back to Tennessee to get the, the physician there to figure it out. Um, so I had to get permission from the judge in Kansas to take him out of the state and take him back home. And this took another week. And, and so I did. I got him out. And between the time I got him out of Wichita, on that month jail sentence for a felony fugitive warrant of arrest, he was imprisoned another three times, mm. Frank, in a matter of three days. Mm. One for loitering at Walmart mm. on the way to the airport while he was trying on sunglasses. The other is at Atlanta Airport on the connecting flight. He was um, The flight had to go back to the gate. He was taken off. And then the next day after we got home and he dropped me off at work in Gatlinburg, he was arrested on a DUI at 8 o'clock in the morning where the other driver had just disappeared. And so I had to bail Tommy out an, an additional three times in a matter of two days. 
Well, it was obviously they had been following for some time, and I, I just think it's mind-boggling that yeah. this was the guy who was the 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 face of boxing at one time, and then of Rocky Five, and there's no respect, um, you know. No respect. And he was harassed, and um, and so all this was while they were alleging that that he had the HIV. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is in 2011, right? So they never really stopped hunting him down yeah. from 1996. So when Tommy did come out of jail, when we finally got home, when I finally bailed him out three times, um, he came out with you know with that tick bite. He had surgery. It was supposed to be a one-hour surgery. We even parked in a two-hour parking spot, mm. and we didn't come out for eight days. And when we did come out, we um, we got home, and on the porch, just as we arrived, he got ho- he got served with restraining orders from seeing his kids by his second ex-wife, wow. which was an incredibly sad ordeal after everything he had gone through. And then that next morning, the home health nurse came and. She was just supposed to um, change a bandage on the side of his chest, Frank. And just as she pulled the old one off to put the new one on, I saw like a piece of hair, a piece of thread sticking out of his chest. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, that's nothing. And I said, no, there's something in his chest. And so she pulled on it slightly and out came 12 foot. Oh, my gosh. Not inches, but 12 foot of surgical gauze. So 12 foot in length and about five uh, inches wide. And Tightly she... packed gauze that had been left in his chest for eight days. What was her reaction? That... Huh? What was her reaction? It was never documented. Right. It was not part of the documentation that well... she had been given to replace or even, she didn't even know it was in there. Right, but and I mean, she... Yeah, she yeah. had have been mortified though, wasn't she? She was totally mortified. Yeah. I mean, she ha- there was somebody else with us. So while um, our friend Tommy's friend was looking after Tommy, I was looking after the nurse who had practically collapsed on the sofa, needed a bottle of water because you know just the stench sure. of the the surgical gauze and and the blood clots on it, and it was just a total surprise to her. Wow. Um, and then Tommy's friend was taking care of Tommy because you've got to imagine sitting on a stool, somebody pulling out 12 foot of surgical gauze that had been stuck in your mm. chest for one week with no anesthetic, no painkillers, nothing. And that night, Tommy's right leg gave way and his head went straight through a wall, sheet mm. block, Man. and he fell to the ground on his neck. Mm. And... Um, he got what was called torticollis, which is the bending of the neck. And it wasn't until seven or eight months later we found out that um, he had paralyzed half his voice box. Oh, man. So I became his voice, you know, wow, literally. from that moment onwards. And, and, and still today. Yeah, Tricia, this is amazing. Right when I think I knew most of the story, um, you know, and the irony is as hard as Lennox Lewis hit and George Foreman and Tyson um, yeah, Satan hit him with some cheap shots. He even used f- friends and family from the past. And then in my heart, yeah. I feel like some dark, sinister people, whether they be the government or corrupt scientists. But would you um, he was probably exposing the deep state back then. Would you agree with that? 
Um, I, I think there is definitely something back there. Um, I, I know that in his book, he does state that um, the FBI did come and visit him when he had got thrown into jail again uh, back in 2000, and they wanted information on Don King. Mm -hmm. And Tommy said, you know, I don't have any information, which probably he didn't at the time. Um, so, yeah, you know, he has not definitely been... He, he used to call himself a cop magnet, right? If there was anything, um, he would be stopped for it. You know, in, in the month of July, he'd go get a coffee and still wear his beanie hat and sunglasses, and he would get arrested for that. Wow. That, yeah, that, that, that is amazing. Um, so... When you hear that Magic Johnson back in the day, I remember when he had AIDS, but the interesting, where everyone else was losing weight like a Holocaust survivor, Magic Irvin Johnson kept gaining the weight, and he's still around today. Um, right. And, and so did did Tommy ever, was he ever prescribed or asked to take that AZT? You know what? He um Apparently, and he and he'll say it in his book as well. He left a lot of words for us to read, and and everybody should get a chance to to just purchase his book and read it. Not for the sake of just selling his books, right? But to actually read what he went through. And AZT was actually, and he used to tell me about the stuff. Um, they had wanted him to take AZT. And AZT, he told me, was a shelved cancer drug that was actually killing cancer patients. And instead, they were giving them to patients that were so-called diagnosed with HIV AIDS. And he had done so much research on that that he said, I am not going to even think about taking AZT. And he gave me the statistics and he said it's killed already 330,000 people, mm. Tricia. Um, and it is a shelved drug that was killing um, cancer patients. I mean, the, you know, it happens with, with other medications as well. You know, there's another medication called Truvada, which the FDA had approved years and years ago. And again, it was something else that Tommy had said, you know, the side effects of those medications are uh, the symptoms of the disease that they're telling you you have. Now, that's a very interesting thing. Think about that, right, Frank? Um, and funnily enough, the medication that he was talking about at the time, two, three years ago, are under class action lawsuits today mm. and yeah. no longer FDA approved. Wow. Um, so then he was quarantined and... Uh, you know, I think it's worth repeating all these years later, you know, quarantine is when you tell the sick to politely sit and stay home and recover. But tyranny is when you keep the healthy in the corner and basically on house arrest. And when your husband, he goes into septic, gangrene, in and out of the hospital, he ends up dying. Um, number one, there was a doctor that was... Um, basically blocking you from seeing your own husband and uh did you feel led to share who that doctor gave you fits back in the day um 
Well, you know, I was with Tommy all the 21 months, though, that um, that he was in hospital, in and out of hospital. So I got to be with him 24 hours a day and never left his side even when he died. Um, so, you know, there are a few other um, physicians along the way that um, definitely could have could have done better things, right? And and not had Tommy quarantined, social distanced from people. Tommy actually, you know, remember Tommy died before the COVID situation. Um, he actually described his life as uh, being similar to the Book of Job, mm. right? And where he had everything and everything was taken and he still had and and he was in God's eyes innocent um, but still had to prove his faith Amen. right and his friends would come and they would go and they would say oh no no you know Tommy you must have done something wrong because look at your life now right and so he would tell me that this was exactly what happened to Job right is right. that true Frank yeah 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 when yeah you, yeah when you think about um you know, who needs um, enemies when you had friends like Job? You you learn who your real friends are when they disappear and, and stab you in the back. And he had yeah. lost his health and he had lost his wealth, but praise God, he never lost his faith. That's right. Exactly right. And so he would sit there and he would talk about the book of Job. Um, and this is a boxer, right? Yeah. This is a guy that would say, hey, Tricia, I can, you know, walk and talk and chew bubble gum at the same time. <laughs> and then he would start to um, talk about all the scriptures and his life. Now, comparing his life then to what people are going through today, he too was quarantined. Correct. You know, he couldn't just go out and go to the movies, you know, without people social distancing themselves from him. Yeah. They would not stand within six feet of him, right. Frank, in case he sneezed over them and they caught so-called HIV AIDS off him, right? You know, he, you know, he was pushed out of society. Right. He was told to go away uh, from gyms and um, he was, you know, treated like a leper. Well, that, that's what uh, I was going to say. He went from Job to a leper. And um, yeah. but I just put a post on social media this week. I think it was the most I've ever gotten. It got one thousand seven hundred shares where some people are like, hey, Jesus would socially distance. And I'm like, no, Jesus would heal the lepers. Um, right. So the irony is so they're saying he has HIV AIDS. But that tells you right then the local authorities, state or federal or local that all harassed him, followed him, intimidated him and arrested him. Um, they must have not really thought he had AIDS if they kept chasing him. You see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So then when he, he dies, they do an autopsy. Tell our listeners, what did you discover right. in the autopsy? Right. Well, you know, remembering what he always said, you know, I have a higher purpose. I don't know what it is yet, but it's not boxing. So, you know, he researched a lot on what had happened to him and he woke up every day and he said, I'm not dead. You know, how can I be dead when in 1996 they gave me a death sentence? Mm -hmm. They told me to get my house in order. They told me that I would die by the time I got to my car. And that's how he lived from 1996 onwards until 
2009, you know, because nobody would sit and listen to him, yeah. how he was feeling, you know, what he was thinking. Um, people just kept on throwing him in jail. You know, he kept on drinking and turning to drugs because that was the only thing, as he said, that would fill a void in his life. You know, he had nothing else. Um, he thought he was going to die, so he just started to drink and um, do drugs, thinking he was going to be dead the next day anyway. Um, so when when I met him, I just sat, Frank, and I listened, and we talked, and I can tell you stories about from when his first memory as a child all the way through to all the friends that were stood by him, all the people that did not, everything that he went through. He was very sober-minded. He did drug rehab, which um, the media will not acknowledge. They just want to leave it out there that he was a drug addict. But he actually did drug rehab, and he became um, a counselor because he said, Trishy said it, I have done everything that these kids can think of that they might do. I will stop them before they even do it. And and they would look up to him. They'd go, oh, the Duke, the Duke. And they would sit and listen. And he would go, don't do this. Don't do that. I've done this. I've yeah. done that. And he would preach to them in a nice way. Yeah. And I'm sure he saved quite a few lives along that way, too. Um, one of the... Um, one of the things that I wanted to keep an open mind on was the testing that he had been given. You know, because you, you know that there are false positives out Correct. there. You know that there are false positives on the COVID tests. So, you know, they say that in their packet inserts. You know, so you know that there could be false positives on other testing. Mm -hmm. So I made a point of having Tommy's blood, his blood, nobody else's, right? Um, drawn, sent to Boston, Massachusetts, General Hospital to a, an infectious disease department. They're one of the best in the nation. They analyzed it. They sent back the results. No HIV, Frank. No virus. No abnormalities. Hmm. Right? So it's like, you know, this is very, very strange. So while everybody is trying to push into everybody's minds, oh, he's got HIV. He's dying. You know, have we suddenly forgotten 12 foot of surgical gauze being left in somebody's body that not even Magic Johnson could have even has survived um, for one week to, yeah. to cause septicemia, uh, you know, blood disorder? We've forgotten about all that because yeah. he's Tommy Morrison. He was kicked out of boxing in 96. He had HIV. Nobody looked to find out if there was anything else wrong, Frank. So Boston was our first kind of glimpse of hope there. No HIV. Okay. All right. So when we ended up in a hospital in Omaha, Nebraska, again, one of the best infectious disease hospitals in the nation, um, they, I had them test him for all the AIDS diseases. So if you get HIV, your progress to AIDS at some point, if it's really, really bad and you're dying, right? Correct. So you have all these several diseases that are AIDS-defining diseases. So I told the physicians there, I said, test him. Test him for all of those. You know, if, if you say he's dying of AIDS, then test him. 
because this is what the media is saying he's dying of. So they tested him, Frank, for all the AIDS-defining diseases. They all came back negative. Mm. So no AIDS. So they didn't prescribe him any medication for HIV AIDS at this last hospital. And then when Tommy did die, he died of cardiac arrest. His heart gave up. Um, he died of multi-organ failure and from the infection caused by the gauze that was antibiotic resistant. No matter how much antibiotics you could put in him, it would not um, heal him of um, that bacteria. Mm. And, um, and when he died, they asked if I wanted a blood autopsy and I said yes. I said, I want you to find the virus because he doesn't have AIDS. They didn't find it in Boston. I want you to find it because you're one of the best places in the country, if not in the world. So they took it, and he died on September 1 at 11.50 p.m., 2013. And on September 2nd, the media went crazy. Tommy Morrison was diagnosed with HIV in 1996. He died of AIDS on September 1, 2013. And I'm sitting there going, you know, wait, we haven't had the autopsy results back yet. The post-mortem report is not even done. So two weeks later, actually tomorrow, uh, September 17th, 2013, the physician, the, the pathologist, the infectious disease guy who's board certified, I mean, got fantastic credentials, called me. He said, Mrs. Morrison... And he started to study, he went, uh, um, and I go, yeah. He said, uh, I don't understand it. Um, he's negative, negative for HIV. And he said it just like that, Frank. And what do you say? <laughs> yeah. Well, on one hand, um, you know, as unfortunately as the stigma that was with that, it may have been a little liberating to think, well, that's not how he died. But then again, you also look, at how he was framed, how he was judged. And yeah. they, you you were familiar to fake news way before Trump was in office. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, th this is ridiculous. And one thing I wanted to bring to light and get your opinion on, the research I've been doing, AZT was allegedly known to, you, you mentioned, of course, cancer, but I was told they were also giving it to patients with AIDS. But what I found out, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the AZT, um, there were folks who did not even die from the virus, but they were dying from the vaccine. And then when you fast forward now, um, there are some folks, the case could be drawn that with the 99% survival rate with COVID, there are folks who will survive the virus, but many of them are dropping like flies because of the vaccine. Do you see a similarity possibly between the two? Well, there is a similarity, um, and the similarity is Dr. Fauci. <laughs> there, there's a similarity. You know, um, Dr. Fauci is, um, you know, the person, um, you know, with the HIV AIDS background because he's been with the... Um, NIH. NIH, yeah, the institute there in your area um, since the beginning of HIV. And, of course, you know, Fauci, Dr. Fauci is um, also, you know, very predominant with COVID. So, you know, you do have um, a connection there. 
Um, now, there is no vaccine for um, HIV. They, there were 270 trials um, that all failed for a vaccine for HIV. I don't know if you know that. Um, but they all failed. Um, I believe now, though, that um, Dr. Fauci is trying to get the same companies that are doing the COVID vaccines to also start doing trials for HIV. So, yeah, there's the similarity there. There's also the similarity. Something that I found out, Frank, um, was the testing for HIV um, coming back to the false positives is that scientifically, and this isn't a Tommy Morrison thing, this is scientifically, um, anybody with up to 100 other ailments will also trigger a positive reaction Correct. on the commercial tests mm. that are available out there. Um, so one of the testing um, procedures is called the PCR test. Correct, Dr. Kerry Mullis. Yeah, Dr. Kerry Mullis. He was a good friend of Tommy's, and um, and Kerry Mullis just died suddenly just before COVID yeah, came out, like the month before. Uh, and he was trying to debate debate Dr. Fauci. Um, one, he made the patent, and it's like Dr. Fauci was, I think, uh, not only trying to hijack it, but he was manipulated what he created and he was trying to publicly say dr mullis that you know you're out of bounds you're wrong and <laughs> yeah. uh, you need to stop yeah. that and the next thing you know dr kerry mullis is dead the debate never happened uh but the war rages on and uh yeah yeah that that's amazing yeah. it's you know it's something where i just go back and and i always remember what tommy said everything hidden in darkness will come to the light yeah. and it will do um you know, so there's some similarities definitely between the two viruses, right? Um, the way the testing is done, the way that you can react false positive, and then, you know, what you do for them. Now, I am no doctor. I think that maybe the best thing, Frank, is for you to maybe call Dr. Fauci's office. I, I'll be quite happy to give you his email address, <laughs> and then you could maybe interview him. He does like to do interviews. Um, and and just maybe throw a few questions out there. I've, I've definitely thrown a, qu a few questions out there to Dr. Fauci on the HIV stuff because I found it very interesting. And, and I found, I think what's more interesting is that, you know, before you label somebody with a so-called deadly disease or deadly virus, you know, please just do what's called a differential diagnosis and rule in or rule out other conditions. Because if they had done this with Tommy in 96, ruled out the fact that he triggered a false positive reaction because he had Addison's disorder or he had lupus or he had EBV, which is Epstein-Barr virus or mononucleosis, you know, he had probably about 10 of the conditions that would trigger a false positive. But guess what? They never found the virus in him. Yeah. So, you know, you know, don't label somebody in the media. Don't diagnose them with something that maybe they don't have. And this was the case with Tommy is nobody would sit and listen to him. No physician gave him a differential diagnosis because they believed the pharmaceutical companies, right? 
Right. Well, in, instead of believing what's on a lab report, look at the person. You know, look at look at the symptoms, the other symptoms that that person has, and um, which is what happened in the end. In in Omaha, Nebraska, they ruled out AIDS, and they ruled in um, autoimmune disorders, which are not contagious in the ring, which will trigger a false positive on the PCR test and other tests, and they ruled out the virus. They did all the right things, but they did it, you know, this was too late. That's amazing. But maybe, it, maybe it's not too late for somebody else. Yes. But... I he, he, that's where it comes back with, I have a higher purpose, but I don't know what it is, and it's not boxing. So to me, it's, you know, please, if you're a physician, rule out everything else that it could possibly be that would trigger a positive, whether it's HIV or even COVID, right, um, before you start to label somebody right. with a virus. And I'm sure Dr. Fauci would agree, yeah. because um, there are peer-reviewed journals with um, scientists that have proved that even mice and dogs will trigger a false positive yeah. well, Dr. on an Mo HIV test. Yeah, and Dr. You know? Mullis would say that as well. Um, you know, you mentioned that your husband resembled Job, and I could co totally see that, and we both agree he was mistreated um, as if he, uh, but I don't mm. think I'm going out on a lorm to say that after hearing you talk, um, he, he resembled the Lord. You know, this is someone who went from respected to rejected, um, yeah. who was celebrated to not even tolerated and, you know, designated to, you know, just to be thrown in, into prison and to be harassed and have an unfair trial. And then where, you know, he was blessed to still be able to mentor and inspire young people that still look up to him the fact that the guy who would dominate arenas from vegas to maybe even madison square garden so he wasn't even allowed to darken the door of a local boxing gym because they thought he was unclean that he was tainted that he was bad and other than the years that he didn't get to enjoy with you what breaks my heart the most and maybe not to still be here today to pour into his family is the fact this is a man who, with integrity, when the bottom fell out, uh, they had very little compassion for him. And that's the problem with fame. You know, everyone wants to be around you at the top, but no one wants to give you the benefit of the doubt when you're at the bottom. And I just want to say, uh, Tricia, on behalf of our listeners, um, we are inspired by you. Um, the fact that you came in that first day when the bottom was falling out, you stood by your side. I mean, Tammy Wynette has nothing on Trisha Morrison. You've stood tall, <laughs> you've stood strong, yeah. and and you've not only prayed on your knees. Um, I know you've done research way on the midnight hour. You've burned the oil to just really fight for your husband's uh, integrity, and I do believe God is going to clear it. Um, I'm looking at a verse right now, one of my favorites in Scripture, Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven and eight. The Bible says, "I have fought a good fight." I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all of those who love is appearing. God's coming soon. I know you're still in a court case now. 
that has been a whole nother legal battle. You've been in a fight of your own. You've seen um, key witnesses either disappear or uh, you've seen judges that have disappeared for whatever reason, and you're still in the thick of things. And our ministry just mailed you the Frank Shelton Global uh, Leadership Award for fighting the good fight on behalf of your husband. And where millions were inspired by Tommy, I'm actually inspired by you. How could our listeners, Trisha, pray for you in this season? And, and where are you now in the court battle? Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that. Um, where I'm at in the court battle is there is a court case uh, which I filed in 2014 and basically to hold somebody responsible for having diagnosed Tommy with a deadly disease which he never had and he never died with that kicked him out of society that canceled an immediate um, you know 38.5 million dollar contract and all the future stuff that he could have had um, such as acting you know more movies Frank he was wanting to do more movies um, he could have done more boxing, you know, so I started um, the lawsuit in 2014 on behalf of the estate of Tommy Morrison and um, Where it's gone it went from Nevada, which is where it's filed No attorney would take it because they said that nobody Would want to go up against the Nevada Attorney General's office in Nevada because they would be brushing shoulders with him and his children and they didn't want anything to happen to them in Vegas so no attorney would take the case um, so I've had to file it myself so it went from Nevada it went to the Ninth Circuit Court and went from the Ninth Circuit Court to the US Supreme Court went back from the US Supreme Court back to Nevada and now Frank we are back at the Ninth Circuit Court because um, one of the hospitals found a piece of biological evidence that I have requested the judge in Vegas to do DNA HIV testing on um, to prove again, basically, that Tommy never had HIV. And, um, and the defendants and the judge in Vegas denied my motion to do that. So I appealed it, took it to the Ninth Circuit Court, which is where we're at right now, and I filed my what's called opening brief. The defendants are responding to that this coming week, and then I need to somehow have the fabulous words come to my head so I can put them down on my reply brief to send back to the three judges that are on the panel in San Francisco that are waiting for my reply brief, and they're the ones that will decide whether to um, allow the DNA HIV testing on this biological evidence. If they do, then obviously it goes back to Nevada. If they don't, then this could be, again, another round uh, with the U.S. Supreme Court. So what I want, um, uh, and uh, what I want <laughs> and I need, are just some heavy-duty extra praying uh, because I would like to have justice for Tommy and I believe he deserves it and you know the power of prayer is so important and so what I would like to ask is that we pray that the outcome is good 
right? And Frank, and I think you know what the outcome is, what we want, Amen. right? Absolutely. Wow. Well, you're amazing. Well, Trisha Morrison, it's been an honor to have you on By Faith. Yeah, Tommy said it. Uh, there's 365 references in Scripture where it says no fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And you can live in fear and honor the devil, or you can live by faith and see the victory. So, Trisha, we love you. Much respect to you, and thanks for being on the program. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm going to leave you with one last funny story with Tommy and his Bible and his boxer, boxer puppy. Um, Tommy would always read his Bible three times a day. He was sitting by the TV one day, and the boxer puppy came up. He stole his Bible from him, and he shredded a lot of the pages <laughs> of the Bible. And Tommy just got on his knees. He, he looked at the puppy. The puppy ran off. And Tommy collected up every single page, um, which had little teeth marks in it, and he put his Bible together again. And I still have it, and I've got it in a huge Ziploc wow. bag. But um, what he cherished story. his Bible. You know, he was a gladiator in the ring, but he was a teddy bear out, wasn't he? Absolutely, he was a teddy bear. Wow. Yeah, you know, and and he would. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stories, Frank. You know, we can maybe do this another time when we win this case uh, for him. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, you would you would have a laugh at all the stuff that he, yeah. he would say and do. Yeah, well, and I love the pictures of all the belts there at your house. That's awesome. And um, i got to ask you, that, that Balboa jacket from Rocky Five that was only one made. And did Sylvester Stallone give that to Tommy? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he gave it to Tommy. I still have it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I have heard, though, that I think Sylvester made one of those for each of his movies, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, well, but, but definitely the one he wore, they were doing the filming of Rocky yeah. Five. he gave yeah. to Tommy, and, and I have it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only one I've seen. Um, he used to wear a Planet Hollywood, I think, around Rocky Four. It was yellow and black, and it looked like the Rocky belt on the shoulder. And it, I think it actually said, um, it made, there was a Planet Hollywood one, and then the other one had like a Rocky jacket. But the one from Rocky Five, that was ironically when he was in the doctor's office and they said he had brain damage. And it said Balboa, right. if I recall, in blue letters in the back and had an American flag, but it had a couple stars on the front chest. Is that correct? Yeah, there's exactly a, right. Yes. Yeah, and that's, I, to my knowledge, that's the only one. And uh, man, no one deserves it more than you. And Sly, um, of course, was ripped and, and broad shoulder. But I got to ask, what size is that jacket? Because uh, Sly is only about five nine, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a yeah. large? Or is that it's a? It's an extra large. Oh, it is an extra large. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. he's amazing, but your husband is too, but you're doubly amazing. So we'll end on that note. Patricia, we love you and God bless you. And victory is yours with the Lord. All right, my dear. Well, thank you. And thank you to your listeners. And God bless you too. And we're going to win this. Thank you for joining Frank Shelton today. Consider bringing Frank to your next outreach. Feel free to contact us at frank at frankshelton.com and look for us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Frank Shelton Jr. If you would like to partner with Frank Shelton Global, you can donate online at frankshelton.com. Your generosity will help us bring the word to the world. This is Frank Shelton reminding you when you're down to nothing. 
God is up to something. God bless you and go with God. Tune in next week and God bless you.